Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Boy, what a day. I mean, this was the day. No, literally the day. I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Let me go back all the way to the beginning. It started early this morning. I mean, I was up and out of the house before anybody else was awake. Of course, that's normal these days. I'm gone before they get up and they're in bed when I get back. But I'm working on this proposal. And my boss told me if I land this deal, there's a partnership in it for me. And you don't make partner in my company without some sacrifices. At least that's what I've been telling my wife. (laughs) I was up and out early. I actually love this time of day. Nobody's on the road. I pull into the office parking lot. I get the best parking spot. I walk into the building and I love it because I know no one is going to be there. Well, one guy's there. He's always there. Joe, Joe, the security guard. I I don't know his name. I just call him the happy guy because he's always happy. And sure enough, as I walk into the building, I hear him. Good morning, Mr. Matthewson. That's my name, by the way, Daniel Scott Matthewson. Good morning, Joe. Are you doing well today, sir? I'm doing great, Joe. Has the Lord been good to you, sir? The Lord's been good to me, Joe. And I press the elevator button as quick as I can. I know it's coming. And sure enough, I hear him. Remember, Mr. Matthewson, as the Apostle Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians, There is no temptation that hath overtaken you, but that, ding, the door shut. Phew. I I mean, I I know he means well. He's just a a little too happy, especially this time of the morning. I go up to the 28th floor. I do my morning ritual. I walk to the corner office door, put my hand on it and say, you will be mine soon. And then I make my way to my office. And I'm getting my game face on because I got a lot of work to do and I'm ready to get to work and I walk in and the cleaning lady's still there. I say, Juanita, how many times have I told you I need you to be finished before I get here? She said, I know, Mr. Matthewson, but you keep coming earlier and earlier. I can't yell at her. It's not the Christian thing to do. So I just sit down at my desk and I do the next best thing. Everything in my being non-verbally, I'm telling her, leave. But is she picking up on it? No. She reaches over, grabs a picture off my desk. She says, Mr. Matthewson, your children, they growing up. They so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Juanita. She says, and your wife, she was so nice to me at the company picnic. How's she doing? Says, she's fine, Juanita. She's fine. And finally, she gets it. She gathers the things. And she starts to leave. And then she turns around at the door and she says, Mr. Matthewson, you a good man. You work too much, but you a good man. I pray for you. And I pray for your children all the time. And then she's gone. And I think, great. On top of all the work I have, now I got a nice layer of guilt. Except I don't have time to feel guilty. I have to finish this. And that's what I do. The rest of the morning, I'm doing my thing. I'm getting it all together. I've got people coming in and out. I have to chew on a few members of my team. That's what you have to do to land it. And I look up right before lunchtime, and there it is on my desk. The final proposal, slide deck's done. I think I am going to kill this presentation. I grab my notes. I got a couple hours before I present and I go down and jump in my car. I'm headed out, peeling out of the parking lot. And right in that moment, it happens. Jesus comes back. Poof. Just like that. Jesus came back. I mean, I'd always heard in church, one day Jesus will come back. I just didn't know one day was today. I mean, if you had told me that Jesus was going to come back on the date of, well, you don't have to worry about the date. 
In, in fact, I, I can't tell you all the details. It was surreal. All, all I know is one moment I'm in my car and the next moment I'm standing in the most majestic place I've ever seen in my life. I'm with this throng of humanity and we each go forward one by one and, and they open this book, a literal book of life. And when they read my name, Daniel, Scott, Matthewson, they told me welcome. I mean, a part of me couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, Daniel, you, you don't deserve a place like this. I knew my life. I knew what I had done. But then I also knew I had believed. I mean, as simple as it was, I'd put my faith in Jesus. And, and it was surreal to me that such a simple decision had such profound consequences. And then I started seeing people. I saw my parents. I saw, I saw friends. I saw people I'd missed. I, I saw people I'd forgotten to miss. And, and there was all these emotions. It, it was like this huge ticker tape parade of emotion as people were hugging and, and crying and we were laughing together. I turned and I saw my golfing buddy, Frank. And I said, Frank, gotta be honest, I'm kind of surprised to see you here. He said, Daniel, not as surprised as I am to see you. And we just had to laugh. And finally, it was a little too much for me. I just needed to sit down. So I found a spot and I was just collecting myself. And as I was sitting there, I had that feeling. You know that sensation like somebody's watching you? And it was so real, I just finally called out, hello? Is someone there? And then I saw him, this, this being. And I said, who and what are you? He said, hello, Daniel. I'm Uriel. I'm a heavenly being, an angel. I said, well, hello, Uriel. I, I, I've never met an angel before. And he said, yes, you have. You just didn't know it. I said, well, it's, it's good to meet you personally. And he said, Daniel, I have watched you your entire life. In fact, I have had my eye on you since the moment you were born. And I said, oh, you're my guardian angel. And he said, well, we don't use that terminology here. But I was so excited, I kind of jumped up, I wanted to give him a hug and, and he was there and then he was not there and I found out that angels are not huggers so I just sat back down. He said, Daniel, I'm here to explain some things to you about heaven. And I said, please do. He said, Daniel, in heaven you have new abilities and you're going to receive more. In fact, in heaven, you can communicate using only your thoughts. I said, like telepathy? And he said, well, we don't call it that. Here, try, think something to me. And so I thought something and then he, he thought back and I said, it's unbelievable. And I thought, this is amazing. And he thought back, I know it is. He said, Daniel, time in heaven is different than you experienced on earth. You're outside of the time continuum as you knew it. So time is elastic here. Events that might take place over the matter of years on earth can feel like a few minutes here in heaven. You also have physical abilities that will help you here. Because of the vast distances in heaven, you need better eyesight. In fact, I, I want you to practice. Look, look, look in the distance there. He said, what do you see? And I looked off in the distance. I said, well, I think I see some trees. And he said, good, now focus. I said, oh, wait, it's a forest. He said, good. And I, I said, you can see an opening in the forest. In fact, in the center of it, look at that stream. Oh, it's bubbling up. It's a spring coming up. And he said, yes, Daniel, good. Do you realize that's over 30 miles away? I said, no way. And then in that moment, he picked me up and he started to fly me in the air. And I said, whoa, 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 Uriel, I'm not good with heights. And I realized in heaven, I'm pretty good with heights. And he started to fly me around and give me a tour. And everywhere you looked, it was amazing. 
I mean, it was like a postcard, a postcard of a place you could only imagine. I mean, I saw mountains and forest. There were streams and deep pools of water that you could see all the way to the bottom because the water was crystal clear. As he, as he flew me, every part of me wanted to go explore. In fact, as Uriel set me back down, I, I said, no, 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 I wanna go see it all, Uriel. He said, of course you do, Daniel. Daniel, heaven is a grand adventure that you will never fail to be excited by it for all eternity. But we don't have much time now. I need to prepare you for the Bema. I said, the what? He said, the Bema, the coming judgment that was spoken about in scripture. I said, I, I, I don't remember that. And he said, yeah, I thought you should read your Bible more. He said, Daniel, the Bema, the, the, the judgment where you will stand before Jesus and be judged by him. And I said, whoa, 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 Uriel, I've been judged. Remember, we came forward, the big book, opened it up, sheep on one side, goats on the other. I'm a sheep, ah, I'm in. He said, no, Daniel, the Bema is the judgment seat of Christ. It's for the bride of Christ, where you will stand individually before him and he will judge you based on the eternal things you did with your life. And as he said that, I found myself a little nervous. I mean, I wasn't afraid. It's that feeling you have when you're a kid and, and you don't want to go see the doctor, but you know if you do, you'll be better for it. And so I resolved. I said, okay, Uriel, I'm going to do this, Bama. I'm going to do this judgment. And he said, good, because you don't have a choice in the matter. He said, Daniel, you don't have to be afraid. You're not going to be judged for your sins. Your sins have been paid for by Jesus. And when he said that, I was relieved. I said, Uriel, I, I had this image like everyone's going to be watching my deepest, darkest deeds on this big screen. And I'm sitting there watching it with Jesus on one side and my mother on the other. He said, no, Daniel, it's not like that at all. The Bema is a rewards judgment. It's like the Olympics. When the athletes would finish the race, they were rewarded as they stepped up to the dais and received the reward for the way that they ran the race. Jesus will reward you today for the way that you ran the race, the way that you lived your life for eternal things. And when he said that, I, I kind of thought, how did I live my life for eternal things? I was trying to remember, and I was hoping that Jesus' memory was better than mine. When off in the distance, we heard this musical fanfare. And as we heard it, Uriel picked me up and he said, Daniel, it's time. And he started flying me. And, and we approached this structure. As we got closer to it, I, I realized it was a stadium, a massive stadium. I mean, a stadium bigger than any city I'd seen before. And as we approached, he set me down outside of it by one of the gates and he said, Daniel, this is where I leave you. And I said, leave me? No, no, Uriel, you have to come with me. He said, no, Daniel, the Bema is only for the bride of Christ. But don't worry, I'll be watching. And if you need anything, just think it to me and I'll answer you. And off he flew. I walked through one of the gates and as I did so, I started to look around. And I was amazed by all the people I saw. People from all different countries, all different nationalities, all different types of dress. I was hearing different languages. I could understand all of them. I was a little surprised because back where I was from, almost all the Christians looked like me. But I realized as I, I looked at, at this church, this body that Christ had assembled from all of human history, I realized that he had woven together this beautiful tapestry of all people. I looked around and realized I needed to get a seat and I saw one and I said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And, and when I sat down, the gentleman next to me said, hello, I am Angara Kansuke. What is your name? I said, hi, I'm, I'm Daniel Matthewson. 
He said, when and where are you from, Daniel? He said, when and where? Oh, yeah, this is all of time. That's a good question. I said, I'm from the United States and I was alive when Jesus returned. And he said, oh, what a blessed privilege it must have been to be there for the return of our savior. I said, Angara, when and where are you from? He said, I am from the 18th century Japan. I said, 18th century Japan? I didn't think there were any Christians in Japan then. He said, there were not many, but the boats that brought the traders from Europe also brought some missionaries. And some of them gave their lives, sharing with us the good news. Some of us received Christ. Even some of the warlords committed their lives to Christ. But alas, my warlord did not. And because I refused to renounce my faith, he had me put to death. You were put to death? He said, yes. I was crucified on the side of the road. In fact, next to me, there was a samurai who himself had been a persecutor of the church, but he became a Christian too. And together, we had the privilege of dying in the same way as our savior. As he said those words, my head kind of slumped and Angara said, Daniel, what is the matter? I said, I never faced anything like that. I never faced persecution. Nangara said, then praise Jesus, Daniel. Jesus is the one who's in control. If he allows persecution in your life, praise him for the privilege. If he keeps you from it, praise him for the protection. But either way, praise Jesus for his decisions. As he said that, I thought how different my perspective was here at the end of time. I mean, up until this point, I never would have thought of persecution as a privilege. But I realized here that Angara and those like him, they were able to identify with Jesus in a way that I never experienced. I looked down into the center of the stadium and there was this huge platform. And on the platform were these beautiful white stairs. And at the top of the stairs, there was a throne. And out onto the platform, an angel walked. And someone whispered next to me, that's Gabriel. As I looked at him, I realized he was massive. I mean, 12, 13 feet tall. He had flowing hair and robes and muscles. I mean, he was ripped. He he had this this 10-foot beam that he carried as a staff in his hand. And I watched as he used the beam to strike the platform to call us to attention. Welcome. The Son of God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. And Jesus entered. And he looked at us. And then he smiled at us. And when he did it, it felt like he was looking right at you. And you knew he loved you more than anyone else. And then he said, welcome my beloved. I have longed for this day when I could welcome you face to face and reward you for the things that you did in me and through me. He said, the Holy Spirit is here already. And as he said that, I realized the the Spirit is here with us, among us. So powerful, but so humble and subtle. And then Jesus said, I want to welcome my Father who will govern over these proceedings. 
And then we saw as the father began to descend over the stadium. How do I describe what I saw? I realize now why, why revelation has such figurative language. It's hard to give words to what you're seeing. I mean, I always thought God the Father was, was like a little old man who would sit on his throne. But I realized the Father is spirit. And, and even what I was seeing is only a partial representation of who he is. As he descended, he, he looked almost like a cube. And on each of the corners, there were these burning creatures and these winged creatures, the, the cherubim and the seraphim. He was all different colors, colors I'd never seen before, colors outside of our spectrum. And inside the cube, you could see moving parts. And inside the moving parts, there were moving parts and he just went on forever. And as he came closer, his majesty washed over us. Oh, it was wonderful and awe-inspiring. And then we could feel the weight of his glory. And as it descended, it, it just pushed us down. We found ourselves on our knees. You could feel his power emanating, his holiness. And as he came closer, he couldn't do anything but bow before him. And then I heard the angels, the angels who are around him, who night and day say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then we heard music and the singing. Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Let's stand together as we worship him. He who was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold him He who heard humanity's cry Left his throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah The Lamb, the Roaring Lion Oh, be still and behold him 
I don't know how long we worshiped, but as far as I was concerned, it could go on forever. But we made our way back to our seat. And as we sat down, I thought how different worship is here for me than it was on earth. I mean, back then, I was always so distracted. Worried what other people thought or or whether I liked the song or not. But here, worship, worship's just about God. When you see him, you can't help but worship him. And you know in that moment, I was made for this. Jesus rose from his throne and he said, my beloved, I wanna tell you about the coming judgment. Today you'll be judged based on three criteria. First, you'll be judged based on the quality of your life. I told you in my word that you could store up treasure here in heaven where moth and rust would not corrupt, where it would never be stolen, where it would never decay. Or you could store up treasure on earth where it was always vulnerable and always temporary. Based on the quality of your life today, the things you did of eternal value, you will be rewarded. You'll also be judged based on the stewardship of your life. And this is so important because each of you had different lives and different opportunities. No one will be compared to anyone else. Some of you had many resources, many opportunities, full lives, and you will be judged accordingly. Others had meager resources. You had very few opportunities. Some of you lived very short lives. You will only be judged today with how you stewarded what I gave you. Finally, you'll be judged according to the motivation in your life. Man looks at outward appearances, but I look at the heart. Those things you did out of a motivation of love, love for God, love for others, those things that were motivated by love will be rewarded today. On top of the rewards, many of you will receive crowns, crowns I spoke about in my word. Many today will receive the crown of righteousness. It's for those who long for this day, the day of my return, and you fashioned your life accordingly. Others will receive the crown of life. It's for those who were persecuted and even martyred for my name's sake. Many will receive the crown of glory. It's for those who shepherded my flock. Now, I'm not just talking about you professionals, you priests and pastors. You had more opportunities, and so you'll be judged according to a higher standard. The crown of glory is for all who loved my church, all who served and shared and gave of themselves for their brothers and sisters. And finally, some today will receive the crown of faith. It's for those of you who went through trials and tribulation illness, loss, and loneliness. You never understood why I allowed such pain in your life, but you never gave up. You always trusted me. And today you will receive the crown of faith. On top of the rewards and the crowns, Many today will hear a verbal commendation from me where I will declare in front of everyone, well done, good and faithful servant. All of you today will be glorified. And again, this is so important because today is the culmination of your salvation. What began with a moment of justification and was experienced through a lifetime of sanctification will be finished today with your glorification when the Father and the Spirit and I will share our glory with you and you will receive your glorified body, a body that will never decay, never experience pain, never be tempted for all eternity. Then Jesus looked out over us 
And he said, prepare your hearts for the coming judgment. And as he sat down on his throne, I looked out over the stadium and you could feel the tension. I don't know how many people were there. Hundreds of million. But I know this, every single one of us had the exact same thought. I hope he doesn't call my name first. And then I watched as Gabriel called the first name. Timulus Germanicus. I saw an angel swoop down and he picked up a man and he brought him to the platform. And I watched as Timulus walked across the platform and he stopped at the bottom of those stairs and he looked up at Jesus and then Jesus smiled at him. As Timulus started to climb the stairs, we could see events from his life. I saw that Timulus was from the third century. He lived in Lyon, France during a time of Roman rule and even more importantly, a time of Roman persecution of the church. Timulus was a poor man, a smith by trade, but he served as a deacon in his church and whatever resources he had, he shared it with others. I watched as Jesus rewarded him for his sacrifice and then I saw his persecution. I saw how the authorities took Timulus and they tied his arms and legs with ropes and pulled it with tension. And they demanded that he recant his faith in Christ. And when he refused, they, they pulled till his joints were pulled out of socket. I watched as they took knives and they began to peel away his skin. And then because of his persistence, they took him and they threw him into the stadium and they released lions and leopards. And I watched as they attacked him. And even with his dying breath, he cried out, Jesus, I'm yours. I watched as Jesus rewarded him and crowned him. And then he turned Timulus around and he cried out with a loud voice to all of us, this is my son Timulus, in whom I am well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. And in that moment, he was changed. He was glorified. I mean, it was amazing to look at him. You, you literally could see the glory of God coming out of him. And then even more amazing, as he made his way to his seat, he flew. No, an angel didn't fly him. He flew. He was like this, this shooting star that went across the sky. And every single one of us just watched with amazement as we saw him sitting out there like this dark, this shining star in a dark sky. And then I heard the next name. Pomponia. Again, I saw an angel. He swooped down and picked up a woman. And as she came to the platform, I started to see her life. I saw that Pomponia was one of the earliest converts in Rome. She was the first of the senatorial class to receive Christ in AD 50, even before the apostle Paul had been to Rome. Because of her faith, she was rejected by all her friends, even her husband for a time. But because of her quiet witness, he became a Christian. And the two of them planted a church in their home, a church that lasted for three centuries. I watched as Jesus rewarded her for her service and sacrifice. He rewarded her for that church, not just in her lifetime, but the impact through the centuries as well. And then Jesus turned Pomponia around and he said, this is Pomponia. She's a church planter. He said, I love those who love my bride. And then he called out in a loud voice, this is my daughter Pomponia in whom I am well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
And in that moment, she was changed. She was glorified. And it was just as amazing to see it. None of us could believe this would actually happen to us. And as she flew back to her seat, we just watched her. She streaked across the sky. After Pomponia, I don't know how many went. Millions, hundreds of millions. And it never got old. Every story was amazing. It was amazing to see every person and how Jesus met them right where they were. And how he saved them and changed them and did these amazing things through them. I began to notice some trends. I noticed that some people, they received a lot of rewards and crowns. They would hear a verbal commendation, the well done. There were others. They received some, maybe a crown. Some wouldn't hear any commendation. In fact, some received no rewards. It was the strangest experience as you looked out because no matter how much someone was blessed, you weren't jealous of them. You knew Jesus' judgment was perfect. It was right. And so you were happy for them that they were rewarded. I found myself looking at those who received no reward. And I was a little sad for them. I mean, they, they lived their whole life for their time on earth. I found myself sad for them and a little worried for me when I heard the next name. William Carey. <laughs> William Carey. Now there's a story. William lived in the 17th century. He was a poor shoemaker, but he was passionate about missions. And he lived in a time period when frankly, no one else in the world, especially the church, really didn't care about foreign missions. And so William there in England, he, he raised his own support and he sailed to Malta and from Malta, he went to India and he gave his life as a missionary there. I watched as Jesus rewarded him for his sacrifice and service, but even more, he rewarded him for his impact. See, William was so passionate about missions. He started writing these treatises. He sent them out to the church around the world. And in his passion, he cried out, we need missionaries. The church must send missionaries. The world is dying and going to hell. Send missionaries. And he started a movement. In fact, he was known as the father of the modern missions movement. I watched as Jesus rewarded him for his impact through the centuries. In fact, Jesus did something interesting with William. He turned him around. He said, my son, William, impacted so many lives here today because of his passion and call to missions. If you're here today and you realize you're here because of William's impact on missions in the world, would you stand? And then all over the stadium, Millions of people stood and they started crying out in their native language, thank you, thank you. And William was overwhelmed. And then Jesus cried out above all of them. He said, this is my son, William, in whom I am well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. And in that moment, William was changed. He was glorified and he was more glorious than any I'd seen before that. And as he flew back to his seat, I just found myself thinking the impact of one person, one life on so many people. And in my thoughts, I, I heard Gabriel as he announced the next name. Angela Moser. When I heard Angela's name, I, I could hear the flutter of angel wings. I said, Uriel, is, is Angela somebody special? And he said, oh, yes, Daniel. And I said, oh, what'd she do? Did she lead a ministry or, or was she a missionary? I thought, oh, oh I bet she was a great speaker. And he said, no, Daniel. 
Angela was none of those things. As I started to see her story, I was a little confused. I mean, she was a shy school teacher who lived at the end of the 20th century. Angela was a single woman who chose to remain single to take care of her mother and her invalid sister. She served in her church, but not in a way that anyone would notice. And then I saw her ministry. I saw that Angela was a prayer warrior. She had spent literally thousands of hours in prayer. And then I began to see the impact of her prayers. I saw lives that were changed. I saw missionaries and ministries and churches, marriages that were restored, people who were healed, people who came to Christ because Angela never gave up on them. She just kept praying for them. In fact, Uriel told me that at the mere mention of Angela's name, a thousand demons would shudder because of the power of her prayers. I watched as she interacted with Jesus. They talked and they laughed. They were like two people who had spent a lot of time together before. And finally, Jesus turned her around and he said, this is my friend, Angela. I know her well. And she didn't get a lot of attention when she was here on earth, but she deserves it. In fact, if you were made aware today of the impact of her prayers on your life, would you stand? And again, I was shocked at how many people stood. The impact of this woman. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He said, this is my daughter, Angela, in whom I'm well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. And she was changed. She was glorious. I mean, this shy woman was suddenly magnificent. She was beautiful. And as she flew back to her seat, I just looked at her. And then I thought, prayer. Prayer. I could have prayed. Why didn't I pray more? When I heard Gabriel again. Joseph Ray Robinson. I saw this Joseph. I saw that he grew up in a poor family and he faced a lot of racism and bigotry in his life. And even though he had a brilliant mind, he was denied a formal education, but he never let it slow him down. In fact, he raised a family of eight children. So he was always working. He always had two or three jobs. He was driving limos. He was shining shoes. He worked as a security guard in an office. Joe, Joe, the security guard, the happy guy. When I saw Joe's life, I was a little confused. I mean, when I saw how hard his life was, how was he so happy? And then I saw as a young man, Joe made a commitment that no matter what he faced, he was gonna be joyful. He, he, he would read his Bible every day. He had memorized three-fourths of the New Testament. He, he believed that verse, that God's word would never return void. And so he made a commitment that every day when he greeted someone, he'd share a Bible verse with them. In fact, I saw there were almost 100 people from my office that were here at the Bema because of Joe's impact. I thought about the way I treated him. I thought, am I even worthy of shining his shoes in heaven? I watched as he and Jesus talked and they would laugh together a lot. <laughs> and I suddenly understood the source of his joy. And then Jesus turned him around. 
He said, this is my son, Joe, in whom I am well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. And in that moment, Joe was changed. He was glorified. He finally had a smile that matched his body. And I was so happy for him. I just thought, way to go, Joe. And I couldn't take my eyes off of him as I watched him as he flew back to his seat. And I was so happy for him. And then I heard another name of someone else I knew. Juanita Perez. Juanita. Juanita, my cleaning lady. I know her. I can't wait to see her story. I know her. And yet as she started to come across the stage, I realized I didn't really know her. I mean, we'd never had a real conversation before. And then I saw her life. I saw that Juanita was married to an abusive husband. And he deserted her with four small children. She never gave up. She was always working. She was determined those kids were gonna make a difference for Christ. She put them through school. But it meant she wasn't home much. She was always doing jobs like cleaning offices. I saw how much Juanita loved children. How she would pray for each of the kids she saw in the pictures in the offices that she cleaned. I began to see the faces of so many children. Then I saw my kids. I saw how much she had prayed for them. I realized she had prayed for my kids more than I had. I thought this woman, that this morning I didn't even want to spend five minutes with her. Now I just want to thank her. I watched as uh, Jesus showed her a tenderness that no man on earth had shown her. And then he turned her around and he cried out, this is my daughter Juanita in whom I am well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. And when he said it, I just stood and I said, well done Juanita, well done. She was just, just beautiful. And I watched as Juanita flew back to her seat. And I just stared at her. Everything in me, so thankful for her. And then I looked up and I realized most of the stadium had gone. There weren't many of us left. And I started to think. Think, Daniel. Think about your life, Daniel. Eternal things, Daniel. What did you do with your life, Daniel? Daniel, surely you did something with your life. Think. And then I heard it. Daniel Scott Mathewson. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.